I became fascinated with looking at things where they fall in a, for lack of a better word, on a timeline. You might find out something about that story that could not be anything but God. Now you're reading that and you're thinking, why do I care about idiots? Yeah, and listening to it going, I don't want to listen to this podcast. <laughs> exactly. I'm a snake. I'm a slitherous snake. I'm a snake of snake. <laughs> you have the potential to do great evil or to do great good. Because what you see when you begin to look at history is that we're all connected. This is History Through the Eyes of Faith with Angie Ferris, and I'm your host, Frank Raines Jr., along with producer Wes. Thanks for listening. All right, welcome. Episode 16, History Through the Eyes of Faith. I'm Frank Raines Jr., and of course, this would not be History Through the Eyes of Faith without Angie Ferris. And producer Wes, of course, we, but we have to have Angie Ferris in order to have this podcast, and I'm excited to be here. How about you, Ange? I'm excited, excited to be here. We're getting to some fun stuff now. Fun stuff. Well, I think all of it has been fun. I mean, it's it's an active listening podcast. I mean, I don't know what podcasts aren't, really. Yeah, I mean, one of the things, like I heard a uh, modern-day philosopher talking um, watching him on YouTube, and he was just talking about the uniqueness of podcasting that you can just have conversation, like hearing people talk and getting the real time. It's kind of like reality TV, but even we know a lot of reality TV is staged and produced and edited. And mm-hmm. podcasts, you just like you just get this conversation. You get the, like the one you were sharing with me downstairs with these crazy stories you know yes you just get this conversation going and it's entertaining because you just feel like you're getting to participate in somebody's conversation hearing what they're going on so what they're talking about and all that so yes it is fun and interesting Mm -hmm. yeah um but podcast we were talking about and and i gosh i had a thought and listening in it's it's not really eavesdropping, but it's active listening, and and so you can you can listen to this anytime. We were in episode sixteen, and if some you know if you've gone and listened to all the way through fifteen, then 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 kudos to you. Um, there's been some highlights. I think I think episode eight when we did Ten Commandments was we fun. had a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Laughed really hard with that. There's been moments here and there where we've had a good time. Well, we've always had a good time. And we're talking about, um, well, I won't get into to the content for today. I was just thinking about it's summertime. And probably when you listen to this, it's summertime, I would assume, right? I mean, this is episode 16. Yeah, I don't have a calendar released. in front of me. Yeah. It'll be yeah. in the summer. Yeah, just a few weeks. And I have not made a summer vacation plan. Mm. And I don't know if there is going to be a summer vacation for me. Well, actually, actually, I do know something I am going to be doing this summer that I am going to have to be away for, and that's um, <clears throat> it's not really a vacation, but I will have to travel for it, and I won't go into that right now. But what about you? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like what, it, what is it? What is our summer vacation plan? Mm-hmm. Um, we're going with uh, meeting some cousins at the beach. Oh, so you're doing yeah. the, the the East Coast. Yeah, East Coast. And what's really exciting about that this year 
is most likely my daughter and definitely daughter-in-law and granddaughter. Two-year-old's going to be at the beach with us. So that'll be fun. Awesome. That'll be fun. Yeah, I don't. I just was able to go to the beach recently for just three days. Um, um yeah, Gulf Coast though, right? And that was yeah. Well, it's that's, really nice. That's different than the. Yeah, it is. I like the waves at the Atlantic. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I do too. But I anyway, I like the coast of the Gulf Coast. And, yeah. But anyway, yeah. So um, hopefully you might you might be listening to this podcast while on vacation. Yeah, it's a great road trip. While at the beach or. Um, Wherever yeah. you may be. We're also hoping to make a trip out west a little bit later in the summer. We'll see. Details yet to be determined on that one. My trip I could is, be out there right now while you're listening to this. That's where I could be. It could be. My trip is going to be um, into uh, New York. Oh. Up in... Up in uh, like New lo- York State? New York State. Yeah. New York City and New York State. Kind of wow. travel a little bit up there. And then I'll be back... Um, but I'm not sure when that'll be. I think it's going to be in August. Yeah. If we go west, it'll be August. Um, but I'm looking forward to that. Um, we are looking... Oh, speaking of traveling, let's talk about um, the territories of the time around uh, 300 BC. Yeah, there we go, right there. Let me say one thing about where we are. You were asking me if I was excited. One thing... About this particular time in history and talking about it is, I think it's something that people, if they know about it, they learned about it, unless they're young, they learned about it a while back. And so it's fun to look back and see how it connects, how it connects things. It's a fun connecting time to take things that are just words or phrases or people that we might know two sentences about. We don't know where they really fall in history or how they connect Mm -hmm. to anything Mm -hmm. else. And so we're getting into that. Yeah, like who said, I think, therefore I am? Who said that? I think it was um, Descartes. Much later. I think you are right. I was trying to think. It's much later. I was trying to reference like uh, Socrates, but uh, no, didn't work. Mm. Well, what was Socrates? What's a phrase at Socrates? I mean, what's a? Well, you talk. Well, about he's the... mostly he's known for his questioning, the Socratic method, asking questions. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I you know, are you looking that up to see if? Because now it's going to bug me. <coughs> Excuse me. Um. Anyway, yeah. Well, so. I mean, here, okay. Socrates. Um, one, oh my gosh. What's the name of, of the ministry, that the podcast? One Thing Only. Okay. Well, then you should know this. One of his quotes, one thing only I know, and that is that I know nothing. Yeah. We mentioned that, that he, that he showed his wisdom by realizing he was limited. That true, well, we, wis- true wisdom is saying, I don't know anything. Did you hear that? Yeah. You heard all that noise. <laughs> I heard a little bit of that. Uh, an, un- an unexamined life is not worth living. Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm just saying that you learn things in history and now we know where they fall. They that's fall right. into uh, this time that's 300 or so years uh, before Christ, yeah. which I didn't know that until episode. Right. I think we tend to think that the B.C. is not like, oh, well, that was a long time ago. Like, that was like cavemen or something. Right. Right? I mean, we don't think so. Not 
lot of our foundations, most of our foundations were laid back there. And it's really cool how this, how this story connects over the centuries and millennia. Okay, so Pretty we're, neat. we're into... You so, mentioned, go ahead. So we talked about the golden age of Greece. We talked about the philosophers Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle. And that as the Greek city-states um, lost power fussing with each other, this power arose in the north, which was in Macedon, which was Philip. And Philip conquered the Greek city-states and pretty much left them to do their own deal. He just had veto over it. Because he was focused on... Do you remember what his focus was? Capturing... Persia. Persia. He wanted to go after Persia. I don't know about capturing it. Maybe. He wanted to knock them out of power. and But he got murdered young, and his son, who was just 20 years old, mm-hmm. becomes the new king. And he has to kind of settle some disputes within the kingdom. You know, you can imagine if the king's dead and, yeah, like, right, his 20-year-old son's going to be king. So he has to kind of get that worked out. But so once he patches up his relations with those people, um, he again decides to make his life war- work to make war on the Persians. I mean, 20 years old, that is young. But one of the things that had happened to Alexander already was his father had hired Aristotle, one mm. of the great minds of all of history, and we will see that more and more as we move forward, to tutor his son. Huh. So that's pretty amazing, right? Right. That he, he has that wisdom and knowledge. Um, I wonder what Aristotle was like at parties. Oh, I would think he wouldn't be like a lot of fun because he's very much focused on observation. He'd be checking out everything, observing everything. Not unlike he would be like maybe the original wallflower. Maybe not unlike some scientists I know. I think. Yeah. 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 But you, okay, the wisest minds of all time. Right. Yes. One of. Okay. So. Aristotle had probably succeeded in instilling into Alexander a deep love and knowledge of Greek culture, okay? He, he had a combined sharp intelligence, this is Alexander, uh-huh. with athletic ability, and he was extremely good-looking. Okay. So he was a very charismatic figure. And it was a big thing in that culture uh-huh. during the time of the Greeks for a man to be well-sculpted, Nice-looking, mm-hmm. well-learned, charismatic, <clears throat> and ability. You know, he was he was very much the life of the party, directing the party, doing. You know, so he was this. He was tall, handsome, athletic, charismatic, ruthless, and ambitious. Right. He was ideologically clever. So this he is had sounding th- a lot like me. Oh, like I'm feeling. I didn't that, want to say that. I can understand why he the pressure that he might have been in. Yeah. I've experienced it a lot. Mm. Yes, what wisdom. And I think it's pretty amazing for a 20-year-old. You know, like a 20-year-old being full of themselves is not surprising. But to be ideologically clever, to be able to 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 categorize into things in a way that win people over, you know? Mm-hmm. So he makes himself the great defender of the Greeks against the Persians. <coughs> so he's getting support from the Greeks. Because he's making it clear he's the defender against the Persians. So he sets out to comp- to uh, conquer the world. And and this helped him politically at home because he used the campaign as a great way to distract the Macedonian nobles to get them on his team. He was savvy politically and ideologically. His military tactics were brilliant. We're going to talk about that. He led his own troops. 
and had a remarkable capacity to elicit loyalty. He's one of, if not the greatest general of all time. Well, for sure. They should call him Alexander the Greatest. Oh, there you go. He incorporated foreigners into his command structure, which was smart. Mm -hmm. And we'll see as he moved along why. He promoted the study of the regions he conquered. He he promoted learning about them. Aristotle may have taught um, Alexander his curiosity for the world. Okay, so we talked about how Aristotle was always looking around and asking questions. So so, uh, Alexander's doing the same. So here's the thing. Here's a, here's a good sentence. He, Alexander conquered most of the known world, held together a multinational army during a, an epic 13-year, 20,000-mile march across much of Europe and Asia and back again. So that's all in one sentence. Then we're going to break down the details of that. A multinational army he held together during a 13-year 20,000-mile march across much of Europe and Asia and back again. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, and I'm sure a lot of delegation going on there. Well, yeah, but he was leading his troops. So kind of his, his um, he, he started out, if, if you, um, there's, if you look at a map, and you're looking at the Mediterranean Sea, and we can show it on ours, but this is for anybody. Like, I know y'all aren't, you know, doing things. You're not sitting there looking at a map. I'll put this up on Instagram. I'll try to do a close-up. When you look at the Mediterranean Sea, and you look at the northeast corner of the Mediterranean Sea, you can see where it flows in through a little strait, a little break in the land into mm-hmm. the Black Sea, okay? That break in the land is called the Bosphorus Strait. Okay. It's now a part of Turkey. That's actually where Istanbul, Turkey is. That mm-hmm. point, we're going to talk about it now, but that point gets talked about in history for thousands of years because it's a, you can tell just looking at geography how it's a strategic point mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. So Macedonia is on the peninsula that is a, that goes down into the Mediterranean Sea. It's really right in here. So it's very close to that Bosphorus Strait, right? And so at the time that Alexander came into Macedon, Macedon owned and was controlling everything to the west of the Bosphorus Strait. When he comes in to evade, so this is today is Turkey, but this was part of the Persian Empire. Right. All right. Mm-hmm. So when he comes in to invade Persia, he starts down, he comes in, pays homage to uh I can't remember who it was. It was somebody in Troy. So he goes to Troy first, does this homage to a... a homage. Homage. Thank you. He plays... Oh, thank you for correcting me on that. Homage to some... I can't remember if it was a memorial to somebody that he respected or something like that in Troy. And then proceeds to run off the... So Darius, I think it's... Fifth, it might be the third, was the king of Persia at the time. And the king of Persia called himself the king of kings because mm-hmm. Persia was so huge. So he enters into a battle with Darius, and Darius essentially runs off. Okay. And so, <laughs> therefore, because he thinks, okay, I'm just going to deal with this guy later. And, and I wasn't prepared for something. I don't remember all the mm. details. But rather than chasing him, this is his military brilliance. He starts around the coast. And he goes all the way around the coast of what is now Turkey, all the way around. And what you know what he's doing there? 
he is taking over and what is the word um capturing the naval bases of Persia as he went. So he's blocking off the Navy. He's making it where Persia can't use its Navy against him, coming back at him across the water. So rather than going after the king, he's very smart, goes all the way around the coast, taking care of all these naval bases, which secures his supply line. Because once he gets into battle, the enemy's going to try to cut off the supplies. And so by taking all these bases, see how... I think that's pretty smart. Plus, you try to wonder what the maps were like at then, how he navigated that. Yeah. Well, these people were all sea people, so they knew the coasts, you know. But I think there was probably a lot of knowledge and trading and going back and forth across the area. So Mm -hmm. um, he proceeded around the coast all the way to Egypt, capturing naval naval bases as he went, neutralizing, that's the word I was looking for, the Persian fleet to secure his supply chain. And he founded cities as he went. Eventually, there would be more than a dozen cities named Alexandria because Hmm. he named them after himself. But we know that Alexandria, Egypt, still exists. Oh, we do, don't we? I guess we do. It it exists for a long time. I I think it's still around. I did not know that. Okay. So you can include me. Well, if you hear Alexandria, you think of Egypt. If If you've heard of Alexandria, I didn't know that there were all these other towns named Alexandria at that time because he named them after himself. Each one, each town was built on the model of a Greek city. So he's establishing Greek culture as he goes. Okay. You mentioned that straight. Bosphorus. Bosphorus. I don't know that it was called that then. That's what it's called now. Right. And you said Istanbul? It is now where Istanbul is, yes. Because I remember in ninth grade, ninth grade, that was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. Mrs. Bryson, mm. she would say Constantinople became Istanbul. Oh, save it. Many episodes later, that will be the discussion. So if you ever hear Istanbul, think, ah, Constantinople. He's giving away some future no, stuff. No, I'm just saying that that's what I always do. So when you said in, in Istanbul from my ninth grade year, I thought, ah, Constantinople. That was a good teacher, right? She got that stuck in your well, head. Well, she was also pretty attractive. So oh. a lot of things that she said I remembered. Okay, so from the moment that um, Darius III, so they, eventually they enter into battle. Okay, he goes mm-hmm. back and toward the inland, and and there's this. This was also from some um, the decisive battles of history. Okay, I love this story. Kadesh. I, Kadesh was the first, yeah. so this is one of the other ones. This battle at Gagamela, G A U G A M A L A, Gagamela, which is also a dish. You know, we talked about in a previous episode that Kadesh was like a side dish. dish. Yeah. What is this one? Gagamela. Gagamela. It's a garnish. It is. It, it's a garnish. It's a Hispanic garnish. Oh, okay. So Gagamela <laughs> is somewhere in the interior. <laughs> okay, let's get a good laugh in about that one. <coughs> Have you tried the Gagamela? Mm. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so Gagamela somewhere is in the interior of Turkey. Okay? okay. I think that's right. But anyway, they finally... Which, but, is, which is a very popular club sandwich. <laughs> Interior of Turkey. Yay! Today it was Turkey. Then it was part of the Persian Empire. Okay. Anyway, Darius chooses the land. And anyway, it's really cool how the battle all goes down. Not going to try to tell you, but 
old Darius ends up fleeing again. Okay. Okay. He's he, had enough. He's had It's reminding me of the Princess Bride when the six fingered man said, See ya. <laughs> Look like, my father. Prepare to die. And then he just runs away. away. Yeah. Yeah. This is it. So this is the second time to run. And Alexander was not counting on him running. He was prepared to beat him, but he did run. So effectively, when he left, Alexander was effectively the new king of Persia. Even though it was a few years or maybe a year, some period of time before Darius was actually done in. Everybody looked to him as the king, but he didn't stop there. He kept conquering, okay, and goes all the way. and And we're gonna um, talk about how far he went in a in a while. So we talked about him marching around the coast, right before mm-hmm. this battle. So what is he going to come to as he marches around here? What's right there? Yeah, well, it's going to be the. Um... Jerusalem. And Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And so this is in, um, thir- he, let's see, came to the throne in 336, okay? <clears throat> so this is in that 300 pillars, so we know that the Jews are there, right? There's And there is a Jerusalem, there's a temple, and that's going on. Mm-hmm. So there's a cool story about Alexander coming through there. And I'm reading this now from referring back to K. Arthur's history of the Jewish people, history of Israel. Although the account is not universally accepted by other historians, Josephus, and we'll hear about him frequently, is a Jewish historian who lived about A.D. 37 to 100. So Josephus would have been living about 300 years after this. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wrote that as Alexander marched into Jerusalem, he was met by Jadua, who was the current priest, and other Jewish priests dressed in their priestly garments and by the people of Jerusalem wearing white robes. So they know he's coming. Josephus is from, writing about from this. 36 BC? No, he, he lived from 37 to 100 AD. Right, 37 like, BC. No, 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 no. He was only 60-something years old. No, no, right, he right. was seven, yeah. 63. Yeah. So he, he, he lived... 300 years after this happened. Right, but his, but his history... So he's writing a history <clears throat> that is not universally accepted, but he, okay. he is a source for a lot of things that, we, that it's the only source we have of it. Okay, like he wrote this history, and he writes about things that are talked about other places, but they're not documented, and he documents them. So not everybody agrees with this, but it's a cool story, so I'm going to share it. He says that as Alexander's coming to Jerusalem, and obviously you can imagine with this army, they know when he's coming, that the priest goes out and meets him, and the people go, and, and the priest says that in a dream he had been told to put wreaths on the city walls in order to greet Alexander. And Alexander says that he also had a dream which coincided with this event. So they both had dreams about this. So when Alexander was escorted into Jerusalem and shown the prophecy in the book of Daniel, chapter 8, which described this destruction. So in Daniel 8, Daniel is prophesying and destru- describing the destruction of the Persian Empire by a large horn on a goat. Greece is traditionally represented by a goat. Okay. Alexander felt that the prophecy pertained to him and offered the Jews whatever they wanted. So they say, hey, in our sacred writings, we have a prophecy from hundreds of years ago about how Persia would be defeated 
by the horn on a goat, a goat with a horn, which represents Greece. And so Alexander treated the Jews well and did not harm Jerusalem or their rebuilt temple. And I think that's true as he traveled. He didn't Mm -hmm. go in to burn and destroy unless he needed to. But he rebuilt the cities that he did in a Greek way. So the term of spreading Greek culture is called Hellenization. Mm -hmm. Hellenization. So if we talk about the Hellenistic era, that is the era that comes after Alexander the Greek, great, (laughs) who was spreading Greek culture, even though he was technically Macedonian, right? Right. So... Influenced by Aristotle. Yeah, so so the idea is that that is going to spread throughout wherever he has conquered. So whenever Alexander conquered an area, he established Greek cities and colonies, bringing in his Greek culture, ideas, and language. His goal was to consolidate his empire through a common way of life and thinking, which became known as Hellenization. So once again, where the Persians had this idea, like, let's rise up local people, and let them run their own deal. Alexander takes that further, taking what he's learned from Aristotle, who's learned from Plato, who's learned from Socrates, about establishing a Greek city with some level of democracy, and yet it's under his authority, Mm -hmm. but local people being empowered to have words, have a place in their um, politics... Mm -hmm with a common language of Greek throughout this whole area. Koine Greek became the common language in the countries ruled by Greece and continued to be the primary language of civilization through the time of Christ. The New Testament was written in Koine Greek. So even though they were speaking Aramaic Mm -hmm. at times and places, it was written in Greek because that was the language that things... By the time, I guess that's the thing to say, when Jesus is speaking, they're still speaking some Aramaic, but by the time it's getting written down, it's getting written down in Greek. Right. And that was language throughout the whole area. This is a world where Greek values, Greek language, Greek culture came to dominate the Mediterranean basin. Because of the sheer scale of Alexander's empire building, we have a Hellenistic civilization a civilization based on Greek roots, which infuses Western civilization as a whole. So there we see how Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, the Greek city-state become so important Mm -hmm. because Alexander's trained in them, and then he takes them throughout the known world, okay? What are you referencing there? These were notes from the lecture on Western civilization, a little bit from the battle, Mm -hmm. um, and now um, I think this was from the battle. These are your notes. Yes. The real legacy of Alexander was that he spread Greek culture throughout almost the entire known world. Yeah. And we're going to come to a map of what that was in a minute. Greek culture would remain the prominent, preeminent one for centuries after. Preeminent for centuries after. And I think we wouldn't you agree that what we've seen in just a little bit, we've talked about how much Greek culture has influenced us? Right. Like, we can totally relate uh, to those ideas, thoughts, asking questions, looking at um, all of that stuff. 
Each of these little cities that he founded became a pocket that radiated and influenced their surroundings, spreading Greek civilization. So he spread it to the area, and then each city that he created spread it to the area around them. Okay? So this is interesting. Some of the Alexandrias that he founded, now now I'm getting this from this Silk Roads book, which is going to have a little bit more of an Eastern twist, okay? So some of the Alexandrias that he founded are now known as Herat, Kandahar and Bagram. Have you heard all those names? Mm-hmm. Which are all three currently in Afghanistan. So, producer Wes and I were checking out the map before we got started. And Afghanistan isn't even on this map because it's over here. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, if you go over there, Afghanistan is yeah. here. Mm-hmm. That big area is China. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, Afghanistan comes right up to it. Okay? So they, he was over that far. And what that did, by establishing those cities up in the northern part of Afghanistan, it created a, a challenge. It, it was a protection to the challenge of the people of the steppes. Have you ever heard of the S-T-E-P-P-E-S? No. I think it's pronounced step. I'm going to say that. It's the vast step... C- eco-region of Eurasia. Now, what would Eurasia be? <clears throat> the land between Europe and Asia. Yeah, where they come together, okay? Um, they were The construction of these staging posts and the reinforcement of others further to the north were new points running along the spine of Asia. There was a threat posed by the tribes of the steppes who were adept at launching devastating attacks on rural communities. The Chinese had already launched an intensive building program and expanded a network of fortifications into what became known as the Great Wall of China. So the Great Wall of China was built, uh, became the Great Wall, connecting all of these fortifications because of these people from what is called the steppes of Eurasia that were constantly invading. The reason I'm making a point of this now, it's not the only time they show up in history. Okay. Okay. Um, Like Alexander, the Chinese had recognized that expansion without defense was useless. Um, I want to show you a map and turn around and see so you can see what's in green on that map is the steps. And that has to do with the geography of the area. And it pretty much spreads across the the northern part of the Middle East, um, separating... (coughs) Europe and further north. So like parts of Russia are above it. And then like Kazakhstan and Afghanistan. Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan, thank you. Afghanistan, Uzbekistan, all those are to the south of it. Hmm. And it goes over north of China. And so... And this is Alexander's... He's south of that, but okay. he built these Alexandrias that are now these cities in Afghanistan for the purpose of protection from those tribes from the north that had a habit of doing devastating attacks. Same reason that the Great Wall of China was built by the Chinese for the same reason, okay. to keep those um, groups out. And, and both of them recognized that the expansion without defense was useless. The speed of Alexander and... And the extent of his conquest was staggering. What was no less impressive is the scale of the legacy he left behind and how the influences of ancient Greece blended with those of Persia, India, Central Asia, and eventually China, too. 
So he goes way far to the east. Alexander's victories are often and easily dismissed as a brilliant series of short-term gains. The reason it was short-term, the point we didn't make, he went all the way and back, and when he got back to Babylon, which was in Persia, which is now in Iran, right, yeah, it, uh, um, or is it Iraq? I'm sorry. I think it's Iraq. Yeah, it's now in Iraq. He died at the age of 33. He had caught malaria, and he died. He had no air. H-E-I-R, and he had no plan. So it's like he goes and conquer, and, and we'll talk about what happened afterwards, but that's why they're saying that a lot of times he's dismissed as a brilliant series of short-term gains. His legacy widely thought of as ethereal and temporary, but these were no transitory achievements. They were the start of a new chapter for the region lying between the Mediterranean and the Himalayas. So he just connected. Everything from Greece all the way over to China, establishing mm-hmm. Greek ch- culture. That's a pretty big deal. Greek was in daily use by officials more than a century after Alexander's death. Indeed, the language penetrated deep into the Indian subcontinent, all the way down to India. This is going to be a cool little side story I think you'll like. And early Indian <clears throat> rulers' edicts were made with parallel Greek translations. So like... Early Indian ruler in the continent of India, in the subcontinent of India, and then is making edicts and translating them in Greek too, apparently for the benefit of the local population because enough of them spoke Greek. So here's a little interesting note about the clash of cultures and Buddha, a point that this author of the Silk Roads is making to show the influence of Greek culture. The... the uh, Strength of the cultural exchange as Europe and Asia collided was astonishing. Statues of the Buddha started to appear only after the cult of Apollo became established in Western India. So the cult of Apollo, that's a Greek cult. Mm -hmm. And it gets established. The Buddhists felt threatened by the success of the new religious practices and began to create their own visual images. Indeed, there's a correlation not only in the date of the earliest statues of the Buddha, but also in their appearance and design. It seems that it was Apollo that provided the template. Such was the impact of Greek influences. Before this, Buddhists had, act- Buddhists had actively refrained, refrained from visual representations. So they were like, we're not going to have visual <clears throat> representations, and we'll talk about a little bit about what Buddhism is right here. Um, and... Then Apollo shows up, and there's these cults of Apollo, and they create a statue of a Buddha for competition. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, huh? The Buddha statue that I'm familiar with? Um, it's a, I don't know which one. It's the very Indian-looking one, not the round, okay. rotund one. Mm-hmm. Okay. You, yeah. can, you can look it up and, and see. Okay. Um, they felt like they had to borrow and innovate. So... You would ask me earlier, like, are we going to talk about other religions? Okay, so this would be a time to jump in here with Buddhism because that is the religion that's existing at this point. Okay? Mm-hmm. So Buddhism, Buddhism is an Indian religion based on a series of original teachings attri- attributed to God, Gautama Buddha. It originated in ancient India as a tradition sometime between the 4th and the 6th, 6th and the 4th centuries B.C. So about right where we are. 
Okay, just a little bit earlier. Sixth to the fourth, spreading through much of Asia. It is the world's fourth largest religion today with over 520 million followers or over 7% of the global population known as Buddhists. Buddhism encompasses a variety of traditions, beliefs, and spiritual practices largely based on the Buddhist teaching and resulting in interpreted philosophies. Two major ex- branches of Buddhism are generally recognized by scholars, and it tells the names of those. Um, the goal of, the Bud- of Buddhism is to overcome suffering caused by desire and ignorance of reality's true nature, including impermanence and the non-existence of the self. Most Buddhist traditions emphasize transcending the individual self through the attainment of nirvana or by following the path of Buddhahood, ending the cycle of death and rebirth. And so then you can go on and talk about that. But the goal is to overcome suffering caused by desire and ignorance of reality's true nature. So you're trying to overcome suffering, and that's where we get the nirvana, peace, calm, (coughs) And well, then you're saying a, the, Bud- the Buddhism is around 4,000 B.C. Four, six to four. <clears throat> which is similar to what Old Testament is. Well, 6th uh, century B.C.E. would be in the 500s. Oh, century. Yes. Okay. Yes, century. Yes, that's the... Frank has found a picture of the Buddha. From that time period. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. So there, we jumped over and picked up Buddhism... Um, and yeah. Okay. So even Buddhism got influenced by the Greek culture because it spread so far. And I don't think of Alexander the Great, the Greek going way over there. Right. But he did. Ideas, themes, and stories coursed through the highways spread by travelers, merchants, and pilgrims. Alexander's conquests paved the way for the broadening of the minds of the population of the lands he captured. The broadening of the minds. We saw that from the philosophies that we spent time talking about. Of the populations of the lands he captured, as well as those on the periphery and beyond who came into contact with new ideas, new images, and new concepts. So things spread. And so I'm gonna, I want you to look at this map of the Hellenistic world, the empire of Alexander the Great. And it is humongous. Yeah. Going all the way, like we said, all the way over to China. I'm going to look at it so I can show it on the big map. And I'll, I'll throw our picture of this up on um, Instagram. But encompassing all of Greece, mm-hmm. Turkey, down through here, and then up beyond and off and around our map, back up this whole body of water that's right down here. Mm-hmm. Coming, I think that's the Arabian Sea and back all the way around the Mediterranean, encompassing Egypt. So, Greek culture became fundamental, Koine Greek language, Greek dominant in art, architecture, and philosophy. Fun fact. Yes. Alexander the Great. Mm-hmm. 1956. Film. Film. Starring... Richard Burton. Ah, oh, yes. Alexander, Alexander the Great. Which is what I envision in my head when I think of a film. But there was an, also an Alexander the Great film in 1963. And Alexander the Great was played by the one and only William Shatner. No way. Yep. 
and in also in that film. And also when was the film, first one? Fifty six. That's not very far apart. That's just seven mm-hmm. years apart. Well, I'm sure they did different storylines, but Cleander, which must be another character in that time frame, mm-hmm. in the in the Shatner film, was played by Adam West, otherwise known as. Batman. So yeah. Anyway, I just was I was thinking Alexander the Great and all the different films and and there's several. So there'll be a lot of people listening to this who have no idea when Adam West was Batman. And that's okay. So I think we should tell them because who are the Batmans they think of? Uh, well, um, Christian uh, Christian Bale is the most popular one now, but then you've got Ben Affleck has played Batman recently. And then 80s Batman. 80s Batman is Michael Keaton. Yeah. But then George Clooney played Batman and one of those. Who, after what I've learned today, I will never think about that man the same way again. So you can <laughs> fill us on on that before we check out. Before we leave at the end of the day? Yeah. I'll do a plug for that. Um but then Adam West was the Batman from the, the television TV show, show. Which was on TV when I was a kid. So right. that, to me, was Batman, and that was the theme song. Batman. Yeah. It was, and I had a Batman car. I did. Do you I remember that? I remember that. Yeah. And when I was a little girl. Well, they called it the Batmobile. I had the Batmobile. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then. It was a big, it was big enough had, Barbie could fit in it. I, ha- <laughs> I had a Batman <laughs> car. Yeah, um, sorry. I'm not <clears throat> cool. Anyway. Adam West, so played Cleander in the in 1963 60, film Alexander the Great, played by William Shatner. I think I want to see that now. I want to see what they were saying about Alexander the Great in the 60s. Sounds cool. Or even in 56, Richard Burton. Yeah. So here, this guy is at 33 years old and he dies, mm-hmm. and he's got all of this. So what in the world's going to happen? So th- for several years there were struggles going on, but what ended up happening was. His generals kind of carved up his vast world that he had conquered. And three major ones. Um, sometimes they talk about four, but anyway. One was called the Antigonids. And these are like the family names. So like like saying like saying the Pharisees got this portion over here and the Reigns has got this portion over here. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the Antigonids, the Seleucid dynasty which a lot of times those names are either Seleucid or Antiochus. When you hear Antiochus, Antioch. Mm-hmm. We have an Antioch here in Nashville, but Antioch is a Greek city-state over there okay. in the east. Antiochus and Seleucid go with the Seleucid dynasty. Pergamum, which was a small <coughs> little area. The Ptolemaic dynasty persisted until 31 B.C., Okay, and this will give you a hint where the Ptolemaic dynasty was, and it's spelled with a P, so it looks weird. It's P-T-O-L-E-M-A-I-C. The last of the Ptolemies was Cleopatra. And where was Cleopatra from? Egypt. Yep. So the, so the Ptolemaic dynasty had Egypt. So I'm going to click on this and open up this map so you can kind of see it's color-coded. Once again, we'll be on Instagram. But you can see the large area... The orange, which is the large area, is the Seleucids, okay? Mm-hmm. The pink is the Ptolemies originally, okay? And then the green is the Lysimachus, or however I said that. I can't read it as well on here. And then the purple is what's still Greece. Yeah. Okay? 
Are you going to remember what you're going to post? Yeah. Because uh-huh. you've said a few things. Yeah, I go back and look at my notes and pull them up. So if I miss anything, okay. call me on it. If I miss anything, just comment on the Instagram feed <clears throat> or on the uh, website. Hey, where's that map of blah, blah, blah? Because, um, but I think I'll be able to find them. So the thing about the Seleucids in the map I just showed you, they have all that stuff to the east and what looks like, I have to look at my map to see. Okay, Wes, tell <clears throat> us what is, because um, producer Wes is closer. What's this area? Oh, wait, let me see. We're down here. It's Turkey. Yeah, it's Turkey. I'm sorry. They have most of Turkey, a good portion of Turkey, and then all the way down. But then you'll notice that Israel, the part that's Israel and Jerusalem, is under the Ptolemies, which are the Egyptian ones. Well, pretty early on, after the death of, like in the first hundred years or so, the um, and we'll come up against the date. After Alexander's death? Yeah, after Alexander's death. We'll come up against the date definitely in our next episode, um, I would think the Seleucids end up taking that part from the Ptolemies. So Israel goes back and forth. Israel starts out under the Ptolemies, but then after not too long a period, they're under the Seleucids. Okay, yeah. which which will... I want to comment. I mean, we're getting closer to the end of this episode, but I want to go back and not forget that Alexander the Great, in his travels to conquer and to create his territory, I want to highlight going through Jerusalem... And then, and the priest, the the Jewish priest, sharing the scripture of what we've learned, the Old Testament, and yeah. the prophet Daniel, talking about the conquering of the Persians mm-hmm. by uh, the horn of a goat, and then that that Greece was some represented as a goat. So Alexander the Great interpreted that as himself. Yeah, and they the each conqueror. had a dream too, which. As we go forward or as you're reading in the Old Testament or as you're reading even things in the Arab part of the world now, dreams are really important. God speaks through dreams. so And they'd each had a dream about the same thing. So I just find it interesting that that moment, um, in, that moment in time is really what I'm taking away from this Alexander the Great time in history. I am. I mean, it may not be the point of, of this episode, but what I'm taking apart is those those interactions happened, and there was some, uh, lack of a better word, Alexander the Great had some reverence to those scriptures and was kind and didn't damage anything and was like, it's almost like it boosted his ego some too. It did, because like, hey, yeah. this, this ancient text says I'm the guy. Yeah, so I'm going to, I like you guys. Yeah. Y'all are cool with me. Yeah. Um, now, I don't know what his, if he had any uh, faith of any kind, but um, it's interesting how to see how that path crossed. That's what I'm taking away from yeah. this. Yeah. And I think what the, <clears throat> that's a good thing to take away. I think the foundation stone that we're laying is the spreading of the Greek culture because um, it unites this area with the common language. If you're going to send a message, if you're if you have a message that you want to get out to a lot of people, wouldn't it be helpful if they all spoke the same language? And who's going to show up in the scene in your one, two, three mm-hmm. with a message? Right, it's making them speak. This is something does, that does that do you get what I'm <clears> saying? <throat> and this so something I'm referring to Jesus, right? But this is also something that you said early in one of the first few episodes. 
and it's in our intro and our outro. Well, I think it's just in the intro where you you were saying you have the potential to do great good or great evil. And it's talking about how we're all connected and through technology, you know, we're all able to connect with one with another. We're now at a place in history where we're not only speaking the same, it doesn't matter the language, we're still going to be able to communicate because yes. the technology has done that. So it's setting the stage for a lot of um, things to be able to happen. And also, do you know that the word <clears throat> technology is a Greek word, the root for which is skill? I didn't know that. And it comes up during the time of those, that it is named and identified during the time of the philosophers. Isn't that cool? So like right there, say we're talking technology, we're using Greek all the time. I think it's funny that we use the phrase, it's all Greek to me, as if we didn't know, <laughs> when really a lot of what we're doing is Greek. But anyway, so yeah, the cultural influence is what is most important to us in, in our study is the, yeah. Well, um, and so we're yeah, I was, I was going to say that, you know, we're talking you say technology and we're still using words that are founded in that Greek history, you know, over 2000 years ago, 2000 years from now, they're going to say, well, you know, in, in 2021, they were still <laughs> leveraging, you know, these things. Anyway, they yeah. did that for thousands of years, but we're about at 50, a little over 50 minutes. Yeah. So, to kind of, because I know you want to tell your story. Well, I'm not going to tell a lot about it, but yeah, I will tell it. I, I do want to say um, where we're moving, what we're going to start talking off, talking about next time is about the cultural influence throughout this region of what, of what now that we have this Greek culture spread across around the Mediterranean, the eastern coast of the Mediterranean, all the way over to the far reaches in the Middle East, what difference does that make? And so what are the kind of things that grow up out of this environment? And uh, what, are, what are the changes that take place that set the stage for uh, now and for what comes in between then and now? It's kind of cool. I like the way it's coming together. I do too. I'm excited about that <clears throat> to hear about that. So that was like, I mean, we spent almost this whole thing on Alexander, right? Yeah, well, I think we should. Yeah. I think it's important. He's um, something. So, so how did we reference George Clooney? What was it? We were talking about Adam West playing in a movie called Alexander the Great in 1963, and Adam West was a, a Batman. He might uh -huh. not have been the first Batman, but he. Was Might the have one been the, the first known. one that we know of yeah. on TV. And then I just mentioned the list of people that played Batman, and one of them was George Clooney. Mm. Wow. And I had recently shared with Angie an interview that George Clooney did. Um, it's been a few months ago on another podcast. And I'm a fan of comedy, and I listen to a lot of comedic things, watch comedic things, and so these comedic actors uh, have a podcast, and their guest was George Clooney, and he shared a story of him playing a prank on a friend of his back probably in the 80s and 90s is when he, this happened, I would assume, because he was an out-of-work actor, and that would have been, you know, maybe... When was, when was he on AR? 
in the 90s. Late 90s, yeah. early 2000s. Okay, so let me interrupt a little story right here before you get back to that. This is the this is what, until I heard what you're fixing to tell. I'm not going to tell it. Oh, I think you should tell it. I'm not telling it, but I'll, I'll give enough, but go ahead. Always thought of with George Clooney is my son was, he learned to read before he was four. And so he would be a lot of places where Wait, he, I'm just going to comment on that. That's an amazing thing, <laughs> but the way she said it would sounded so pretentious to me. Oh, I'm so I mean, sorry. But you're not pretentious, but I just put it in a thing like, my son, <laughs> he learned to read before he was four. And um, hmm. anyway, so go ahead. I just thought so the point was, I know you have son, this little kid. You have this little kid that nobody thinks can read, and then all of a sudden he's saying things that are written in front of him that can be embarrassing, like in the checkout line at the grocery store when he's Let's just reading everything in front. No, I'm not going to say. So it was like that was always happening. So you're not going to give us an example. Of something so that I am, but I'm not going to. Yes, and it has to do with George Clooney. So like I don't know that my parents were aware. That he was reading or that he would just read anything. I guess that's the thing, that it was just what he did, which is why he learned to read so early because he was mm-hmm. driving everybody crazy asking him what that said. But anyway, at my parents' house on the back of the commode, like in a little basket, there's reading material, right, in mm-hmm. the guest that's, bathroom. Yeah. Okay, and I think this magazine's probably stood there, which is really weird. But... It's across the it's across the bathroom from the bathtub, so somebody I think it was Dad's giving Josh a bath, <clears throat> and he's drying him off, taking him out of the tub, drying him off. <laughs> Josh goes, "Oh, George Clooney's leaving ER." Just so we've talked about that for years because it's on the front of this magazine. He just announces it in the bathroom, and Dad's like, "What?" Just sitting there reading the magazine. George yeah. Clooney's leaving New York. So Josh would have been four in the late nineties. Yeah. Well, this yeah, this is the well. Then you got it. I didn't have to look it up. That was part of your story. Is that's when yeah. it was in the late nineties. Yeah. But you know he had an, he had a a a, um, a role on the TV show Facts of Life. Oh, I didn't realize he was that. on that every night. He was on. I think he was on Golden Girls. Um, but yeah. So this must have happened in the early eighties. When he played this prank on his on his roommate, and I'm not going to tell the story because oh my gosh, <laughs> I want people to enjoy it, not for me. I want them to hear him tell it or yeah. hear somebody else tell it about it. So all you have to do is look up George Clooney cat prank, and I'm sure you will find it. It might not be in the podcast that I heard, but um, the legend is that he actually told this story on the Tonight Show to Johnny Carson. Which oh, is I thought it was the other one he told. Both, both. He's done that a couple times. But uh, people have heard. Are you Googling it to see if it pops up? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So if you... Go- it's, it, it says he tells it on Dennis Miller Live. Mm. And then there's some other place. And it's it's a bunch on... He's told this story yeah, more and than I had once. never heard it. I had never heard it until like three days ago. And it's one of the funniest things. Well, I've I'm ever telling heard. you, once you hear it, you won't think about him or <laughs> the things involved in the story ever the same way. And and yep. after y'all listen to it, just remember, 
I have two cats in my house now. We have a little kitten, and it's just no not going to be the same. No cats I, were harmed. No cats no, were harmed in but this But it's prank. not going to be the same when we get home. It's just like, it just well, won't be the same. I think it's, it's going to be neat that if you haven't heard the story, that you learned about it through History Through the Eyes of Faith <laughs> podcast. That's what we're all about. We're bringing it all to you, folks. All of it. The good, the bad, and the stinky. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see y'all episode 17. This was 16, and we're signing out. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to History Through the Eyes of Faith podcast. Brought to you by One Thing Only. Find us online at onethingonly.org. Click on History Through the Eyes of Faith podcast for more information, reference material, our social media links, as well as a way to contact us to leave questions or comments. We will soon be streaming on all your favorite podcast platforms. Please rate and review. Thanks again for listening to History Through the Eyes of Faith podcast.